Good morning, everybody. I am currently in Aristotle's Lyceum, which is, you know, arguably one of the most important places in human existence where Aristotle was Plato's number one student. And I spoke about Plato on another voice note. He had his certain beliefs and all that, his mentor, Socrates. And then, yeah, so Aristotle, after Plato died, he trained with him, well, you know, was in his thing for 20 years. And then he kind of went around, he became Alexander the Great's uh, tutor and eventually came back to Athens, set up his school, the Lyceum, which basically is in, not like a school as today. It was consisted of morning walks with his advanced students. And I can see the perimeter right now. And then walks in the evening with the more beginners. And then I'd imagine for the day, because it was a gymnasium, they were training naked again <laughs> um training chatting amongst each other uh, a lot of things yeah just a lot of basically chatting and he did so much work he was what we would call a polymath like he was did work on physics biology um he did in ethics metaphysics um all of, like literally everything he did he was looking at the biology of animals he was the first to like create an account a system of things like that kind of like the first encyclopedia in a sense aristotle was or you try to make it because his his way of looking at knowledge was i will take what people have done before and i'll add to it you know and that's essentially what he did and he was limited in this time of course like he didn't he couldn't you couldn't measure temperature you couldn't measure a lot of stuff and even though he knew things would get hotter and colder he was like well your definition of hotter my definition of hotter is different so we can't have a, a strict um measurement there so he'd never really got to that depth and that's why in the modern times people are like well all this stuff's proven not to be accurate but it's because he didn't have the instruments he had the, the, what they were called the poverty of the time of the uh, of the in instruments if he had the instruments he would of course have been able to have this piece of information um but what's most interesting i find about aristotle and i should, hope you can hear me on these voices because it's not too um windy is that he looked at what we'd call uh, eudaimonia, and a lot of you would have come across this listening to the Stoics. So he talks about um, things to do with character, what we call ethics, and the word arite, which means goodness or excellence. Um, Aristotle wanted to know what made a human excellent, you know, what makes a good human being, and he didn't make it direct connection to virtue he didn't say to be a really good human being you've got to have the virtue of justice for example that's not what his, his line was even though that might come into it he didn't make that direct connection and he also spoke about eudaimonia as a mental it's not a mental state of euphoria not in terms of what we think is happiness he didn't think eudaimonia was just to be in a state of happiness that's not what he meant he 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 meant eudaimonia as a, as a flourishing to make a success of life and to flourish. And the connection between the eudaimonia and happiness isn't direct, it's an indirect connection. So a lot of people think eudaimonia is happiness. I think a lot of this come from that, a lot of people think it. I don't think, I've, I've read quite a lot about this topic now, and I would say that they didn't think, they didn't mean eudaimonia as happiness, right? So what he speaks about eudaimonia, he says, and I quote, eudaimonia is an activity of the soul in accordance with excellence. So eudaimonia is an activity to flourish and, and as opposed to a state of being, say a state of love or a state of happiness, or a state of mind. 
He says flourishing is not a state, but an activity or set of activities. And it concerns the soul or the animator. Is it to say that human flourishing requires the exercise of certain faculties by which life is defined. In particular, a person cannot be said to flourish as a human being unless he or she is exercising distinctively human faculties. Finally, eudaimonia is an activity in accordance with excellence. To flourish is to do certain things excellently or well. A man or woman who exercises his, fac his or her faculties but does so ineffective, inefficiently or badly cannot be said to be making a success of life. And the interesting thing about this is we all flourish differently. And this is what he gets at. Like, he's not saying you've got to be happy 24-7 to flourish in your life because happiness, sadness, all those emotions are part of life. And a lot of people, the goal is to be happy. It's like... If your goal is to be permanently happy, it's not happiness because you don't have the sadness to, to correspond with what happiness is. You're going to be in states of joy and happiness sometimes, and sometimes you're not. There's no point trying to hold on to them. But what we can control is are we acting in accordance to our own excellence of character? Like, what are we born to do, essentially? And people are like, I don't know what I'm born to do. I'm going, I have no idea. People talk about passion and all this stuff. And it's like, what is it in your life that you feel like you're flourishing and doing? Because we've all got something. Some people, they flourish helping people in as a nurse in the NHS. Absolutely help, love people. Some people flourish using numbers, mathematics, just working as an accountant and numbers. Some people flourish teaching, even though it's a tough job. They won't be happy all the time because of the workload. But they are flourishing in teaching, educating. They get, they think that's aligned with their character, completely aligned with their character. So your question is, what is, what are you doing right now? Is it in alignment? with what you would say is yourself flourishing and not don't think of happiness think of what are you born naturally of you what gifts have you got you know what we've all got certain gifts some of us are introverted some of us are not some of us are extroverted some of us are really witty some of us can speak to anyone some of us can't some of us are more you know just reserved some of us um love being in groups of people some of us prefer to be solo workers some of us were more thing want to help people. Some of us want to create things, make things, tinker with things. Some of us want to work in technology coding. Some of us don't want to build nothing. They want to help someone else build something. Because there's, there's, it just keeps going on and on. And in today's world, there's so many ways that we can we can flourish in what we would define as what went. Doesn't even have to be good at it, in a sense. Maybe you do have to be good at it. I don't know. I mean, mm, just be good at something to flourish. Or can it be something you just completely resonate with? And this is the thing, what would you define as good? Because some people are going to be better than you at everything, and there's always going to be someone better than all of us at everything, so we can't compare. But it's what we feel we are aligned with, and what our, as a human being, where we are best placed amongst the society of humans, because we are social animals. We are, you know, Aristotle also said that the state and society is not something we've made to live in. It is actually part of our nature like ants have colonies like an ant on its own isn't an ant oh my god there's another tortoise and there's a cat gonna attack it no way cat you better leave this and go oh my god guys i'm gonna save a tortoise here um but yeah i think um guys i'm gonna leave you with that i'm actually gonna have to save this tortoise because there's a cat like on his back but um have a think about that where do you flourish what are you doing actually i'll be back now let me just save this tortoise going back He's saved, but now he's actually in the Lyceum. I can't get to him. This tortoise is now in the Forbidden Zone. Hopefully he's saved, though. Is that me? Is that my, uh, is that my um, excellence of character saving turtles, tortoises in Athens? I don't know. 
Um, but that's it for today. Have a think about it. Do you have to be happy all the time to flourish? The answer probably is, I wouldn't say is no. But with flourishing, we're going to have battles, we're going to have struggles, we're going to have obstacles. For us to fully flourish, we have to come across obstacles, surely. Who would Hercules be if he didn't have any obstacles at all? Well, he wouldn't have been Hercules whatsoever. He would have just been an average person. So when you think of these challenges stuff, you know, you, you've decided to be a teacher, you've decided to be a scientist, you've decided to work this job or that job, you've decided to go to university for that, there are going to be times where you hate the work you've got to do. Sometimes it's going to be overworking and all that. But flourishing, it doesn't mean you have to be loving it all the time. Okay? And I think if we can see like that way, it's a, lot, it's a lot better for us, surely. It's a lot better. So we don't have to, we don't have to be in a permanent state of happiness, which is quite a weird state to be in. I think if someone in a permanent state of happiness, find me a person, I have no idea. But I can find joy in everything, even my struggles. And I, I find that I've really started feeling a lot, these struggles and stuff. I feel joy in them because I know what I'm doing is aligned with my being, essentially. Luckily for me, I've found it. Um, for other people, maybe it takes longer. But have a think about it and let me know what you do think.